okay now? Club members, my name's Chris, and this week Kate and I are taking the big licensing exam that says whether or not we get to be doctors or not. <laughs> and here we are. This podcast is totally good use of our time right now. Oh my god! And that can be my fun fact as well. Wait, no, I, I forgot. I have a good one. I we got our first club hate mail. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> there is someone out there who hates us. Hitting milestones here, people. Yes, I want to tell them about it. So basically, in case you guys haven't heard the hollow blue behind our Halloween episode yet, we haven't vended. We caused quite a stir. Um, yeah. Uh, we so Chris and I go check it out. We didn't really like it. We didn't like the movie so much, and um, I guess we we're a bit too forward with that fact. Yeah, people hate us. <laughs> people hate us now. We got. <laughs> I'll I'll post it on Twitter and stuff, but basically, um, someone emailed us directly and said, "Hey." Basically, like, why don't you just shove it up your own butthole and <laughs> and unfollow me and then blocked me. <laughs> and then blocked. And blocked us. And they, I would like to say, though, that they called us out for calling ourselves fans of horror. And I never made no such claim. Yeah, exactly. You did. Yeah. But I never claimed to be someone who would like that movie. So I feel no remorse. And also, I'm allowed to not like movies, just like everyone's allowed to not like movies. Yeah. It's it's the it's, whole point of the club. If we had a club where everyone agreed, I wouldn't have picked you, Chris. No offense, but... Not at no, all. No, like, <laughs> it's okay for us to like different movies. It's okay if someone out there doesn't like The Conjuring as much as I like it. That's totally fine. And that's why you're in the club. That's the whole point. And if you guys have a different opinion, I mean, you can send me more hate mail. It's super fun. Please do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> It's really great. But you can also just write us and explain your viewpoint and what you see in the movie. And maybe it'll change how I see it. Maybe not. And we would love to share y'all's thoughts. Exactly. That's the whole point. And we have forums on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You have all of those options to choose to talk to us. Or you can just direct message me and tell me to shove it up my own butthole. (laughs) That is an option. The choice is yours. But today we're not talking about Halloween. What are we talking about today, Chris? Today we're talking about Paranormal Activity. Yes, we're covering Paranormal Activity. It is on Hulu. If you guys haven't seen it yet, I'm shocked because this movie is 11 years old and everyone has seen it. Although, Chris, I'm pretty sure you hadn't seen it. I had not seen it, no. Of course. But (laughs) if you guys want to go check it out, it's on Hulu. You can check it out and come back here or you can just stay because it's not really a a jump twisty movie. So if you guys want to stay, but we just, just keep in mind, we will be spoiling the end of the movie. So today we're going to be unfolding the unorthodox production of this movie, talking about the director, Paley, Pelly. I think it's Pelly. Pelly. And he himself is afraid of ghosts, so he chose an interesting, interesting line of work. Uh, we're going to talk about how there's three alternate endings to this movie and much, much more. We're also going to play this episode just a little bit differently than our usual episodes, and we're going to hit up all the behind the scenes stuff first. And then walk through the movie at the end um, because mm-hmm. it's a pretty simple movie. Not that nothing happens in it, but it's not it's not like a detailed plot or anything. So. It's not like Lord of the Rings or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this movie is um, a found footage film. So it's a lot in the same vein of Blair Witch. And Creep. I'm glad we went back to this 
this like style. Yes. And I th- I've mentioned to you that I'm I have a soft spot for found footage movies. Like Blair Witch was one of the first four movies that I watched and it's got a close place in my heart. And this is a mm-hmm. movie that I watched whenever it was pretty new at like a sleepover with all my girlfriends. So I also have a soft spot for this movie, too. But this is an older one. It was uh, released in 2007, although I guess it was released in 2007, but didn't really come to movie theaters until 2009. But I guess we'll be talking more about that later whenever you cover reception. As we've mm-hmm. mentioned, the director is Oren Pelly. I think we just said it's Pelly, like a pelican. I'm going with Pelly. So Oren Pelly, <laughs> he had never done a movie before this one at all he was actually a software programmer (laughs) he had yes (laughs) he had zero film experience he didn't have like a short film under his belt or anything like that so this is the first movie he directed and we're gonna be talking more about him specifically in a bit and it's produced of course by Pelly, but also by jason bloom of bloomhouse productions who we talk about a lot heard about him before they're just involved in a lot of movies and we've talked about them before because they also did creep and we talked about him a lot in the creep episode how bloomhouse is known for they have an interest in low budget creative movies and i think this is definitely that's this definitely fits this one this might one. this one might take the cake for low budget for sure the budget yeah oh my gosh <laughs> the budget was $15,000 that's 1000 yeah like 15000 <laughs> that can't even buy a car no anymore. it can't $15,000 they made a movie and that's and incredible. the actors so Katie Featherstone and Mika Sloan or Mika it's Mika Katie Featherstone and Mika yeah. Sloan each got $500 for one week of shooting this movie. Right. But the, I read that they were renegotiating their salary after this movie made over $200 million. I think that's so fair. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I got $500 for this. Did they end up getting more money? I don't know if they did. They definitely deserve it. They definitely deserve it. I know um, Katie was involved in the sequels for sure. So I'm sure she made money off of those. Yeah. Because I highly doubt she went into the second one saying, yeah, totes, 500 bucks. Yeah, I'll just do that again. (laughs) Sounds good. No, so I'm sure she made money. I don't know about Mika, though, but we'll talk more about them later as we talk about the movie. But I think that they were just phenomenal. Yeah, and they were nobodies. No, they're literally nobodies. I think he was looking at a couple other actors, like even... I think this girl, Katie Gallagher, was originally cast to play the role of Katie, uh, and she was on Survivor in 2000, and he was like, "No, people are gonna recognize you, Survivor." Yeah, that's I. I <laughs> Do people still watch that show? Yeah, absolutely. Grandmas across the nation. Oh my god! Well, I guess in 2000, people might have absolutely. But yeah, so she was too recognizable, so he, they actually fired her after hiring. That her. really sucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sucks. I hope she's doing. They're okay. like, we need a different Katie, Aww. like a random person off the street Katie. Oh, I bet she would have done a good job. I feel bad now. Yeah. But I I do know that um. Oh, both both Katie Featherston and Mika Sloat, they came across this literally as an L.A. casting call website ad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, it was just a very random thing. It's like what you said. They wanted someone, just a nobody. Like, you're not going to believe this is a found footage film if Brad Pitt's snuggling up to right. Gwyneth Paltrow yeah, exactly. and the ghost. Like, it doesn't make sense. So, of course, having nobody's worked. And for them, it really paid off. Because yeah, it totally. Because this was before. I mean, the internet existed. I know, like YouTube and stuff was a huge part of their marketing, but the internet wasn't what it is now, and people weren't just jumping on their phones and looking everything up every five seconds like they are now. Right. So, found footage films could be played a lot more believably. Yeah, for sure. It was it was really good about that, you know, because mm-hmm. like the cinematography isn't like exceptional, but it, I mean, it is in the sense that if you're thinking of it as a found footage film, but if you were just if you went into a movie theater. 
and didn't know what to expect. You would think, what is this garbage home video that someone just popped in up <laughs> which there. is exactly what they want you to think which is exactly what they were going yes. for and, and the, yeah and they do really really well and i agree just having nobody's up there really just seals the deal like you're like whose video is this exactly and i like what you so you made a good point about them being nobody's and how they wanted to renegotiate their pay based on how much they made mm-hmm. so this this movie again i want to reemphasize this the budget was fifteen thousand dollars and it made 194 million at the box office oh my gosh so I was looking through a bunch of articles on it. And so those figures, if you look at those figures and you take them as truth, they would make Paranormal Activity the most profitable movie of all time based on return of investment. That's wild. Yeah. Their return on investment is 645,000%. Well, <laughs> so they're doing all right. I can't even fathom yeah. that. Well, and what's even what's even wild about that is like it ranked number four uh, for opening weekend or opening, you know sequence uh, movies at the time but it only was showing in 160 theaters across the country yeah so uh, only 160 that's like nothing a big part of the marketing campaign was that they did demand it marketing so basically it was a demand it campaign where if someone wanted to watch paranormal activity in a theater near them they would have to go to the movie's website or the movie's facebook page and hit a demand button so the studio would bring the movie to their area and the movie would have to get a million demands in the area for it to release oh wow so it was realistically we're getting their fans to do their marketing for them which is really excellent a lot of their marketing was also just sharing videos with clips of the movie and then reactions of people at screenings oh wow and that just took off on youtube yeah that's very clever and cheap really cheap they don't have to do anything there's no fancy trailers or anything like that oh yeah no no yeah no they just took advantage of making it go viral on the internet exactly and it worked super effectively incredibly yes and so this movie made a crap load in the box office but it's made a lot since then because we have so many spinoffs like not as many as The Conjuring, but pretty freaking close. We have Paranormal Activity 2, Paranormal Activity 3, Paranormal Activity 4, and then we have uh, the marked ones, or the marked ones, Paranormal Activity, the marked ones, and the ghost dimensions. All of those are within the Paranormal Activity universe. Oh my gosh. They even have a virtual reality game that's called Paranormal Activity The Lost Soul. It's too much. It's too much for me. I would pay so much money to watch you play that. <laughs> Yo, you're not gonna. It's not, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> So do you want to go straight into behind the scenes stuff? Yeah, let's dig into that. Okay, so I, let's talk about the director, screenwriter, Orrin Pelly. So we mentioned he was not a film writer. He was not a director. This is the first movie he had ever done. And he, like Chris mentioned in the intro, he is very openly afraid of ghosts and spirits. And he actually has openly said that he can't watch Ghostbusters because it freaks him out. Imagine that. And so naturally. <laughs> let that sink in for a second. <laughs> Too spooky. So naturally he decided to you know, do a scary movie. So he took all that energy and that fear and he used it for something really neat. And honestly, after everything I've read about him, I'm super impressed with him. Like as simple as this film is, Pelly put a lot of effort into it. He directed, he edited, he mixed it, he cast it. And all of that was self-taught. Right. And, yeah. and he did all of the research. All the more impressive that it worked at all. Exactly. He And he did yeah. all of the research into demonology. He read a bunch of books. He did interviews about exorcisms. He looked into hauntings and possessions. And he got his hands on everything that he could to learn about demonic entities because he wanted the film to be like as truthful as it could be. 
And then sure. on top of all of that, not only did he, you know, use his mind, he used his home. So the, this this movie is not a yeah. set. <laughs> it's his house. It's filmed in his own yes. house. And I think that's super bold for someone who's like, I don't like ghosts. I can't watch Ghostbusters. I'm going to film one of the most successful horror films of all time in my own living Absolutely room. Absolutely not. I freak myself out. Sometimes I'll just be sitting down and I'll think, what's the scariest thing that could be sitting in my closet right now? <laughs> and that freaks me out. But like that freaks me out. And I made that myself. I can't imagine creating an entire world where a demon is dragging people down my hallway. Yeah. No. He's a brave like, man. I don't want that. I don't want that in my home. He's braver than us. And he spent like a year prior to this movie dressing up his house. He like repainted walls. He added furniture. He even added a staircase into his house for this movie. Yeah, he had to pull up carpeting because yeah. apparently his bedroom was carpeted. And he's like, ah, oh, that weird, that scene with the powder is not going to work now. So he just pulled up his carpet. Yeah. Good for you, dude. Good for him. On a movie that he had no idea would work. No. And weirdly enough, he got the idea um, sort of from his own life, which is sort of a theme I'm noticing from all these horror films is that. So, like, he got the idea because he and his girlfriend were living in a house and they started noticing weird things happening. So, like... um, one specific instance that he cites is that late at night he was sleeping and a box of detergent just fell off the shelf, but it was way too far back on the shelf to have just fallen on its own. Demons. And I imagine they don't have a cat because that's my, that's my automatic yeah, that, explanation. Yeah. And he was like, he thought about putting a camera in his bedroom or around his house to record what was going on and they never got around to it. And then later he's like, but that's a good idea for a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so then he did it in his house. I'm just impressed that he can, I don't know, that a software developer can be inspired by a box of detergent to make the most profitable movie of all time. Yeah, it really reminds you that you could become the most successful horror film director of all time at any moment. If only you were haunted a little bit more. Yeah. If only. And so his budget was really limited. Obviously. But he used that as a good thing. So like he know he knew he couldn't use visual effects, he couldn't use gore. So what he leaned on instead was just believability. So like he went for the, he mm-hmm. went full force with the raw foot the found footage format. But he does he doesn't do it. So a lot of the complaints that you hear about Blair Witch Project, especially me because I'm talking about it all the time because I like that movie, is that people can't mm-hmm. handle it because it's it's very shaky. It's handheld shaky cam. Like running through the woods and people are like, oh, it made me want to vomit. It's just I can't be nauseous while I'm trying to watch a movie. So he did that even better because everything on here is either held steady by a cameraman. No one's running through the woods or it's on a tripod. So that for me is helpful. (laughs) And and Mika, who is portrayed as the, you know, the boyfriend slash cameraman for this movie, he actually did do most of the camera shots in this movie. And fun fact, he actually was a cameraman for his college TV station like years before. Oh my god! So he has cameraman experience. Slap that yeah. on his resume. <laughs> and amazing. And the script is um, it it's there is no exactly script, right? there isn't, and that's why it feels really natural because there isn't a script. Yeah, they were just giving guidelines and on how to behave and like what kinds of things to discuss for their scenes. And then they just were like, go do it, go, go for it. And they did, Talk. they did that with their, so Blair Witch did that same thing as well. There wasn't a script and that's what they did for the auditions for Katie and Mika too. And you can look up their auditions online is literally, it's just them sitting in a chair and they say, so what makes you think your house is haunted? And they just start going off and talking and talking and, oh, and then this, ha- and it's really interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's really impressive. And also what's even more impressive is I wasn't, I couldn't be more obsessed with this director is that they did all of it in seven days. I can't, 
I can't wrap my head around I can't. That. Like, Scream did one scene in, in 21 days. I know. One scene in 21 days. This did an entire movie in seven days. Yeah. Which means they're, they were... For $1,500. For, for $15,000. $15, which means they were editing it as they were filming it. Oh, yeah. Which is... Not, and it's not like they had a huge crew. So it's mostly, you know, him and his very limited crew just editing, filming, filming, editing day and night. Yeah. And and they sent the DVD out to a bunch of people and it impressed, you know, DreamWorks. And at the time, like maybe still one of the executives for DreamWorks was Steven Spielberg. And mm-hmm. they bought the movie for like $350,000. I thought it was Paramount that bought it. So Dream, it the DreamWorks bought, bought the movie. Paramount later bought DreamWorks. So ultimately, oh. a lot of the the calls later come from Paramount in regards to like reshootings and things like that. Right, right. Yeah, and Steven Spielberg, he was the one who first recommended the first change to the ending. Yes, he as, as part of DreamWorks. He, he recommended it. So I'm going to talk about it in a bit, but there are a total of three other endings that aren't the ending that we watch at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. And they, and whenever DreamWorks first got a hold of it, they were going to remake the whole movie. They were going to give it a bigger budget and just remake the whole thing. But my understanding, and I know you read about reception, but I'm pretty sure they screened it, the original one that we had that we've seen, and it did yeah. really well. And so they didn't remake it. Well, and like when they did screen it, when they first gave the movie to like, they have like test audiences, you know, like they do for products yeah, and stuff. Yeah, of course. So they, they tested it on some audiences and a bunch of people walked out halfway through <gasps> and they're like, crap. They think it's garbage. Yeah. And then they ask the people like, hey, why did you just walk out of that movie? And they're like, honestly, I can't handle it. <laughs> That's great. They just got too nervous. They got too like freaked out by that it. Is and so they just had to best walk case out. Scenario. And like, actually, great. <laughs> That's Excellent. Great. Oh, so that that's why they ended up not remaking it. Yeah. That's awesome. Exactly. Oh, that's great. And I love that for, for the original cast and crew because it shows, yeah, we did this with a tiny little budget and they were going to try to make it better and then they realized they couldn't. So I think if you had made this with a bigger budget and redone it in any way, like in some way they would have taken away the believability about yes, it. Yes, because that's... And he was absolutely right. That's what's scary about this movie. Yes. Like it's not... There's no like big... Well, I mean, there's not really any big jump stairs. There's not like gore you don't you never see the monster or anything like that it's just that you can believe that this is really happening yes that makes it scary so this movie um it's not the scariest movie ever but it definitely scared me watching it i guess that depends on who you ask because a lot of people seem to think this is one of the scariest movies ever oh really yeah and so like when i was going into the reception of it there was a big contrast with the critics on that point as well about whether or not they thought this movie was scary or not and so some of them, some of the big time critics thought, you know, this is this is way up there. This is frightening. It's terrifying. You can't pull, peel your eyes away from it. Um, and there's even though there's lots of periods in the movie where nothing's happening, you're still scared. It's still really scary. On the flip side, there were a lot of other critics who definitely thought that this was really just boring a lot of people said uh, michael carter who's a reviewer for the breeze actually summed the entire movie up he's like it's all right oh wow ouch i don't think that's fair he seems like he didn't like the found footage style and i think that's just a limitation that people are gonna have to deal with is that you either like that style of film or you don't i mean yeah well i I i think i like it i think it's kind of cool and i think it's kind of interesting um i'm not that doesn't necessarily mean that i care for well, this you movie, don't like but scary movies i like the i like the way that it's done so i i definitely like found footage films but i recognize that 
to enjoy them, you have to be able to, to suspend your disbelief. You that That's imperative. Right. Because that's all you have. Well, in this movie, the whole point is to, to, is to do that, right? The whole point is to make you believe that mm-hmm. this is like a real experience that people could could actually have and uh our good old friend the austin chronicle which what they say this time (laughs) we keep coming we keep coming back to them so um mark savlov who's a reviewer for them called it um an excruciatingly tedious youtube gag clear cleverly marketed to go viral okay but i I agree with the last half of that sentence yeah because it was cleverly marketed to go viral and that is probably ultimately why it did so well I think that I don't I think that he's you can't compare it to fucking Braveheart like they're different movies. You have to appreciate it for what it is. And if you don't think it's scary, like whatever. But I don't think I don't think it's fair to call it a tedious YouTube gag. I think that's not giving it anywhere near as much credit as it deserves because a lot of effort went into this. I mean, I definitely agree with that. I think a lot a lot of work went into this movie, even though it I think a lot of work went into this movie to make it look like no work went into it. And that's and I think I have a lot of respect for that. Uh, that said, um, I don't. Weirdly enough, I didn't think this movie was very scary at all. You didn't think Creep was very scary either. Yeah, but I don't think Creep was supposed to be scary. I thought. I mean, it's unsettling. Yeah, I think Creep was supposed to just be unsettling and make you feel kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, un- yeah, just make you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie, I think I get the feeling like this was supposed to be scary. And I just never really felt scared because even though there were those, there was a lot of suspense in this movie and it definitely relied on a lot of suspense. And there are definitely moments where I was scared and there were moments like when, we'll get to it, but like when he goes up into the attic oh, and I'm just like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> I was like that, like that really got me all worked up because I'm waiting for the jump scare that's not going to come. How about the ending? The ending didn't scare you? No, not really. Oh, her I, and I, think, I have a thing about faces. We've talked about it with clowns, but I have a thing about yeah. faces and I watched that scene at the very end where her face turns and when I was like in ninth grade and it has haunted me for I don't know, how old am I now? Like eight years. <laughs> and I and I can see that and I know that you have your face thing, but I don't know. I just like I'm stimulated by movies that have a plot that keeps moving and that's just not what this movie is about. It's just not what it is, yeah. Right. And so, like, I just wasn't scared by this movie just because I did kind of just get bored when nothing's going on. It's the same reason. I think that's fair. All you haters to me out there that I didn't like Halloween very much is because oh nothing, happens nothing happened for so long. And I'm just waiting uh, for literally anything to happen and nothing ever happens. Again, if you loved Halloween, let us know through hate mail or nice mail. <laughs> Please send burning dog feces to my house. I would be so thrilled if I was an important enough person for that. The critics in general kind of really liked this movie. The so for example on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it an 83%, which I think is wow. pretty That's solid. It's pretty solid. Um and like we've said before for horror films, that's that's pretty that's decent. That's really good. However, the audience score is actually only 56%. Whoa. Yeah, and so I find that really, really interesting, mostly because this movie did do so well. And it is one of those movies that everyone talks about. Like, obviously, I already knew that this movie existed. I remember hearing it, like, ripple through my high school because, like, that's when it came out for me. I wasn't back in high school. Um, but, yeah, all the all the viewers who are, like, actually leaving reviews for this movie don't have great things to say. That doesn't surprise me that. So if I think about it, 
Think about whenever you probably don't talk to your friends that much about horror. Well, just me. But whenever <laughs> I talk to my friends about, oh, this horror movie came out, you're going to have people every single time. It doesn't matter what horror movie. They're going to go, oh, that was stupid. That wasn't even scary. I didn't, oh, it was dumb. It was gay. Oh, my gosh. Every time. Every It doesn't matter what. It, the village. I'll, we'll get into the village later. But again, it's not a big blood and gore scary movie it's very much based on character development and things like that and people every time i bring it oh it's stupid i'm scary Mm -hmm. and that's what people people write off things that aren't in your face horrifying so like the conjuring did well because it's in your face scary the whole movie yeah you know what i mean yeah other movies like that are up in your face the exorcist does well because it's in your face you know scary whatever movies like this people write them off easily at least pedestrian viewers will write them off easily. And I think that's that's why there might be such a disparity between what the critics are saying, what the audience is saying. Yeah, but on that same note, like I'm going to stand by what I said about how it's similar to Halloween in the sense that nothing happens. I'll argue that more things happen in Halloween than this. Yeah. But the difference is that Halloween got like a 90% something. I don't remember what it was, but people love that movie, as we well know whereas this movie again nothing happens in it and people people are pointing that out people are like nothing happened here yeah but halloween has a guy with a big knife and people like that people like that i think people yeah like i think that. people are bothered yeah that they didn't see the they didn't see the monster or anything like that i think if people would suspend their disbelief a little bit and push their imagination a little more i think that they might find more of an appreciation but again i totally get that found footage films in particular are not for everyone yeah and that's just fine and we don't have to all like the same thing yeah i i think and i think that's fair i think that's fair i am gonna say that there are definitely moments of this movie where i got all white knuckled and i felt very unsafe and i like squirmed closer into the person next to me but (laughs) for the majority of this movie i was just looking at the screen being like okay that's fair (laughs) that's kind of fair and i feel like again i feel like maybe i'm just being desensitized to things it's hard to come do this right after we did The Conjuring. Yeah, I think that's w- probably what it is. Like, now I've seen things that are truly scary, and now I see things that are, like, middle ground scary. I'm like, eh, could be worse. Yeah, until there's a witch on top of the wardrobe. Yeah, then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think this podcast is slowly walk. desensitizing me to It is. I can things. I can tell. It definitely is. If I had thrown this at you the first episode, you would have wet yourself. But probably. But now you're, like, yeah. doing just fine. Thank God Let's- we did um, Idle Hands instead. Oh, <laughs> Whatever. I love Idle Hands. I know. So let's let's walk through this movie. It's going to be a lot shorter, hopefully, than our than our other podcasts, just because the plot itself isn't very involved. Yeah. But let's just dig in. You go go ahead. Yeah. So like as we said, this is filmed in the director's house in ambiguous. They don't really say San where Diego. it is, right? Like yeah, yeah it's San, in San Diego. Diego. You're right. So yes, in San Diego, ambiguous timing, probably you know around two thousand nine, two thousand seven. No, it, it no, made. it's straight. They put the date on the screen like 18 times, Chris. I don't remember this. It is not ambiguous. <laughs> it's like 2006. Yeah, so that's when they filmed it. Yeah. So Ambiguous timing. It puts the date and the time on the screen like eight times in the movie. Anyways, could be at any time. Probably the 70s. <laughs> probably like 1650. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, the movie opens in San Diego in approximately 2006. <laughs> oh There's a timestamp on, like, the whole movie. So, I guess it's 2006. I did okay. watch this movie, I swear to God. Um, yeah. And we meet the young couple, Katie and Micah, who are... Mika. Mika? Is that how you say his name? Yeah, it's you know, Mika. you're right. Yeah, she says his name many, many times. 
I've seen this movie. You did not watch this movie. (laughs) You're like, this movie, it happened in the 70s. It's like (laughs) Peter and Sarah. And And some paranormal things happen. Set in Paris. (laughs) And so the movie opens with Mika has just bought a new camera. And Katie definitely thought he was going to get one of those little handheld camcorders with a strap that goes around your your hand like I had back in 2000. Oh, no. Uh, But no. He bought a $3,000, you know, pseudo movie making camera. Yeah. With a big old flashlight on it. Which we haven't really met the character of Mika yet. But as I watch the movie, I'm like, yeah, you totally Yeah, that that. fits. That fits really well. (laughs) I don't mind him as a character, but he's kind of, he's not my favorite either. So. As time goes on. I have mixed feelings about Mika. I like him as a character because I feel like I like to hate him. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's a good... He's the anti-Katie. And he can be a really crappy boyfriend. Like, definitely while I'm 100%. watching the movie, I'm like, you're terrible. Like, just just ignoring the fact that he's actively antagonizing a demon against her requests. Just, like, how he's taking care of her. I'm like, you're a bad boyfriend. Yeah, he, yeah, he's definitely not the best boyfriend in the world. Yeah, she's having a meltdown. She just got, like, ripped out of her bed by a demon. And he's like, babe, chill out. She's like, put away your camera. He's like, no. No, let's, get, let's buy a Ouija board. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah <laughs> That literally is like the whole movie, though, is like she's like, hey, this thing. And he's like, yeah, OK, maybe, babe, I'm going to buy this camera and record ourselves sleeping um, <laughs> and maybe make a sex tape. <laughs> um, but then at, even as things get worse, as things like start actually happening, he starts getting scared. He doesn't back down. No. And he just becomes like this macho man. He's like, no, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to antagonize the demon directly <laughs> against your wishes. And so like so he's not my, he's not my favorite. So here's the thing. So the cons are, you know, he's a jerk. <laughs> yes. And he absolutely exacerbates this whole demonic possession thing. Absolutely. That, like, yeah. that's on him. And, I mean, he. Di- I will say she's, like, actively sobbing and is pissed off at him. And he's just like, I didn't bring that thing in the house. You did. Yeah. Go, ha- go hang out with your friend upstairs. And I'm like, whoa. Like, Yeah, even at one point he's like, well, dude. you never told me before we moved in together that you had a yes! demon strapped to your back. And she's like, what am I supposed to do, Mika? First day, oh, by the way, I might be possessed. <laughs> yes. Oh, but, okay, so, at the, so obviously the way I'm describing him, he sounds like a garbage person but then he has his he has his pros so he sees this crap is happening and he doesn't leave so at first you feel like he's hanging around because like he's not afraid he doesn't believe in any of this stuff but then he starts to believe it he really buys into it he starts seeing stuff and he still doesn't leave he still wants to stay and be there with her yeah no he he is i I do think he genuinely cares about her and like he starts doing a bunch of research he like he yeah he's a mixed bag of nuts but i think ultimately his intentions are somewhat pure I think his intentions are pure. I think that if she could have chosen a different boyfriend, she might have lived a little longer. Maybe. <laughs> and I wouldn't, if I was her mom, I wouldn't be thrilled about Amika coming home. No. But no. I think that he isn't 100%. He's not a villain in this movie. And I think not that makes all. him an interesting yeah. character. Anyways, we are getting ahead of ourselves, though. So <laughs> We are. They, they're in this new house. Um, and we we just sort of watch their conversations they're talking about how they bought this camera because something weird's been happening a couple every now and then like they hear a weird noise and then it turns out to be like probably nothing and you're like okay where is this going and then 
in comes this psychic. They call in a famous psychic, uh, Dr. Fredericks or something. I've never heard of him. He's famous, Kate. <laughs> He's famous. So we, so she calls in the psychic because He's she's like, useless. okay, well, we obviously have a ghost or a poltergeist or something in our home. And we should do something about that. And so he comes in and he's like, he, you know, he, they, they talk to him a lot about what's been going on. She's like, you know, this has been going on since I was a kid. Ever since I was eight years old, my house burned down when I was 13. Like all this weird stuff has been happening my whole life. And then right at the end, like he's about to walk out the door. He's like, oh, by the way, I don't think it's a ghost. It's definitely a demon. I can't help you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so he's like, ghosts are what I do. And you definitely have something else. And it's feeding off of negative energy. And it definitely intends to keep tormenting you. And like, don't try to, don't try to contact it. Don't try to communicate with it. That's just going to open it, like let it into your home. Here's a, here's like contact information for a friend of mine, Dr. Um, Johan, who is a demonologist. Dr. Avery's, who is actually use- useful, unlike Dr. Fredericks. Not that we ever meet him, though. Yeah, but he's smart. Theoretically. <laughs> we don't meet him as a character, though, right? So No, we don't. Yeah. Wait, but she talks to him on the phone. Yeah, I guess that's true. Am I making that up? She totally does. Yeah, but he wasn't, he was like, he wasn't in the country or something. Anyways. No. Yeah, there are three actors in this movie, and Dr. Fredericks is number three. So you don't get to meet Dr. Avery's. Yeah. And so Katie takes this guy really seriously. She's like, crap, we have a demon. And Mika's like, sweet. Yeah. He's like, yeah, okay, sir. <laughs> like some cabinets open every now and then. I'm, don't, you know, tell my girlfriend that we have a that we have a demon. Which I think is fair. Like, I think that's a fair reaction on his part. I agree. And at this point, nothing bad has really happened to him yet. Like, yeah. she obviously has a traumatized past. And so she's a little bit more willing to think that something bigger is going on mm-hmm. um, but he has no reason to think that it's anything r- real so he's just at this point he's just sort of humoring her um, yeah but so then he sets up the camera in their bedroom and then a huge portion of this movie is just going back and forth between seeing their scenes in the daytime and watching them sleep at night and mm-hmm. watching and like hearing weird things happening so like the first so i think the first night we're watching, we're just watching them move around in bed, and then it stops at like three something in the morning. And I told, and I told you, whenever you recorded the Conjuring, it's always three something when crap happens. Yeah, it's all yeah, early in the morning, the witching hour. It's creepy. And uh, so, and you, and we hear something weird. It sounds like almost like a dog is in the house or something. Mm-hmm. something it sounds weird. Sounds it's it's a weird noise, but it sounds like an animal's moving around downstairs. And then you hear something that sounds like keys falling. And then the next morning they go down, and Katie's like, "Oh, why are my keys on the?" floor i definitely put them on the counter and mika's like did you though yeah <laughs> didn't you put your keys here on the floor on the floor which is got, so annoying it's it's annoying like if i'm katie i'd be like are you fucking kidding me bro like i'm already dealing with maybe a demon playing with my keys and then you're being a dick about it yeah i'm actually really surprised with her tolerance of him throughout this movie very tolerant well is she gonna be alone yeah. hell no Although she does try to get rid of him a lot. So I don't know. She doesn't really need him at all. That's true. But I feel like a lot of the times when she's trying to get rid of him, it's not really her. And we'll get into that. That's true. But also there's a lot of times where she's like, get the fuck away from me. Get that camera out of my face. You're not sleeping in here. Yeah. And he's like, what? This camera? Which camera? (laughs) Yeah. He's a jerk. Oh, my gosh. So all this is getting worse. We're hearing screeches. We're hearing thuds. And every, you know, every, it's always at night whenever that camera starts rolling. We get the timestamp. It's always that night. 
I think we I, I don't remember, but I feel like we see a couple more of those night times and You do. And like you get the one where Katie is standing Oh, next that's to the bed. right. Yeah, she stands she gets out of bed and she stands up and looks at him. For like two hours. And it's super creepy. I like it. And then she walks downstairs, right? Yes. Yeah, and then he he finds her like in the middle of the night just sitting outside on a little chair on thing. Like a hammock yeah yeah and he's like hey honey it's freezing out here do you want to come back inside and she's like clearly not there yeah she's clearly not actually there there's like something weird about her voice and she's like no i want to stay out here kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then the next morning she's like what are you talking about like i didn't get up yeah and she sees the footage and she's like what the hell like none of this happened and then we see another night where everything's fine everything's normal it stops again sometime in the early morning and then you just hear this loud screech and a huge slam. And then, like the house shakes a little bit and they both jump out of bed. Yeah. And they run downstairs. And the only evidence that anything has happened is that the chandelier is swinging. Mm-hmm. That was a spooky part for me. Honestly, every time that camera popped up and it was focused on the bed spooked me. Because the whole time I can't look away from the open door. I can't look away from the open door. Exactly. And I said that, I said that out loud multiple times in this movie. I'm like, just shut your door. Just shut, shut the your door. door. Just shut I it. do not personally I do not sleep with any doors open in my room not my bathroom not my closet no sure as hell not the door of the hallway yeah why would you do that because all no all, I mean I, I know the I'm, if I do in. that that's how they get in and that's how I know that I'm gonna look up and there's gonna be something standing in the door frame exactly and for those of you who I just gave nightmares for tonight I'm really sorry but just shut your door but that's how it works shut your that's door. that's how it works that's how it that's, that's how this works and at one point the demon's like hey people shut your door I'll shut it for you. (laughs) Incredible. So when do we get to the Ouija board? Well, so this is where um, Mika's like, hey, we should get a Ouija board. Katie's like, no. she's like, like hell we are. Katie literally makes him promise. Promise me you will not buy a Ouija board. And he's like, I promise I will not buy a Ouija board. Yeah. And then shortly after, comes home with a Ouija board. Yeah. He's like, I borrowed it. I borrowed it. And it looks like. I didn't buy it. Is it just me or. I, I've, I don't think I've ever actually held a Ouija board. They don't look that demonic, typically. But this one, it was glossy. It looks like a really expensive Ouija board. They're usually glossy. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It just seemed really expensive and nice to me. But then apparently he bought it at Costco. No, I thought he borrowed it. No. Yeah, the character did. But the the director bought it at the Costco down the street. You can buy Ouija boards at Costco? <laughs> you could in 2006. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That takes away a bit of the allure, doesn't it? But anyway, so he buys a Ouija board, and they're about to go out to dinner or something, and she's like, uh-uh, nope, mad at you now, you crossed a line, slams the door on her way out, and he's like, babe, Babe? What? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's confused why she's mad, like, <laughs> I don't, it, she's like, if you buy, if you bring a Ouija board in this house, I will be mad, he's like, brings one in the house, and she's mad, he's like, what? Well, I had no reason to believe that you'd get this angry. Yeah, <laughs> But then, so they leave, and the camera's on for some reason. Like, he was going to mm-hmm. film it happening. And we just watched the little dial thing on the Ouija board move a couple times. Mm-hmm. And then it bursts into flames. Yeah. I like that scene. I thought it was I thought it was cool. But I was also like, that was also one of the scenes where I was just kind of bored. I was like, okay. I like that scene. Otherwise, it's just me watching them sleep. That's true. And well, I needed that scene. To break up the monotony of just watching I, people sleep. I need sleep. a different set. Yeah, I needed it. I'm glad they did that. And so obviously Katie doesn't like that that happened. And 
Mike Mika at this Mika at this point is starting to believe, right? And because you know his thing has his Ouija board has scratches all over it, and yeah. he starts getting into detective mode a little bit, which I liked. I liked the flip switch from broski dude just kind of antagonizing his girlfriend to right. investigator. I like that. Right. Yeah, and I I really liked when he's like he's like reading all these books or whatever, but then. I- I like the part. It's like only 23 minutes or something into the movie, but he's like sitting on the bed and he's reading this book um, about demons. He's like, well, according to my research, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But then like, he's like flipping through the book to show her. And like, literally there's not a single word in that book. (laughs) It's just pictures. Like it's just drawing of a demon, drawing of a human, drawing of a demon. That's perfect for Mika. Perfect. And so I looked up the, (laughs) I looked up the book that he was actually reading. And it's called the picture book, the picture book of devils, demons, and witchcraft by Ernst and Johanna Lenner. He was like, "Oh, I'm it. doing my research on demons." It was literally a picture book. Do you have one with more pictures? Do you, yeah. <laughs> so it he has goes too to the many local words. library. He's like, "Hey, I need a book on demons." And give him like this huge. This one has too anthology. many words. He's like, "Okay, but like, <laughs> do you have one with more, like drawings or something?" He's like, mm, "Tomes, tomes, to- oh, pop up book." Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh my gosh um and then he's trying to like decode the ouija board message and it's like hey do you know anyone named dina or something yeah he's he's putting together all like the letters and trying to he's like do you know this name does this ring a bell does this make sense so he's not stupid yeah but like nothing he's not the smartest guy but but then he does like he finds on the internet and like he finds this woman on the internet who posted all these things about like literally the exact same story as Katie's happening. Yeah. And her name was one of the possible names written on the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if they were ever going to do anything with that. But then the movie just ends up ending so abruptly that the plot never actually progresses anywhere. So it didn't get to that. I don't know if that means anything. I wonder if the sequels cover it or something. So the, the sequels, at least two and three are prequels. Okay, so maybe. They they still might cover it. And obviously, a lot of what Katie did was in like a fugue state or something like that. So just because she doesn't mention something in these movies doesn't... I haven't seen the, the prequel sequels. Mm-hmm. So I they could have all sorts of juicy stuff. I'm not sure. Hmm, that'd be interesting. Yeah. But anyway, so come back to the 17th night of filming mm-hmm. in the house. And Mika has the brilliant idea to cover their entire home with baby powder. I think it's really smart. It's actually, it is really smart. But so here's my two problems with this. And it's the same issue that I brought up when we were talking about the conjuring too, is like one, why do we assume that you'd be able to see something on the video? Like you can see the moving of the sheets and the beds and all that kind of stuff. So like that's convincing evidence, but why would you assume that the thing would leave footprints? So it's just like what Katie said afterwards is that it wanted you to see that exactly exactly so like, which and is that's, terrifying and that's creepy but also like yeah why does he assume that like it's clever if you're trying to catch like a an a, something that you know was an animal you know yeah but it's not all that clever to me if it, if you're like oh there's a demon that keeps moving our stuff but it's invisible it's clever in the in the sense that you're gonna see what you're hoping to see you're gonna get an answer but it's back to what Dr. Frederick say where, where he's saying do not talk to it do not try to communicate it it wants you to do all of those things right and it, it, it does like and, and it you can see things start exponentially going to shit whenever Mika starts getting involved in antagonizing and, and he's he's opening all these 
ways for communication through the Ouija board, through recording him and asking questions, putting baby powder on the floor. And right. the demon's like, hell yeah. And he takes every single one of those. Yeah. He's like, the more you learn about me, the it. more I'm going to do to you. Yes. Because the demon's just like, yeah, get scared. Figure out who I am. Then yeah, I'm gonna for real. I can get you. It, it's it's smart. And that's why Katie's like, please stop, please stop, please stop, please stop. Because she's follow, she's just following what the professionals are saying. Like professionals. Right. But she's following what Dr. Fredericks and Dr. Avery, presumably, are saying. Yeah, people Kate would call frauds. <laughs> exactly. Frauds. <laughs> but so in any event, it works. And so it does leave footprints, which is very creepy. Um, you see th- them make the footprints, which is a really neat effect. Yeah, you watch it happen. Um which I wonder how he did that on his cheap editing software that he was using to make no this I have no idea. <laughs> but so the footprints are really weird. They they look like they're cloven. They're, yeah, I guess so. They, they're like, cloven. They look weird though. There's something weird about them. They just look cloven to me. Maybe I don't know. When I when I watched it, they almost looked reptilian. I don't know. Hmm. They looked weird. I have to go back and look at it. But so the, so left footprints, and it goes off into this other part of the house, and it's all weird. Um. And then that's when they find the little the burnt photo, the, the hatch to the attic upstairs. Mm-hmm. And he decides like, yeah, I'm going to go up there. I'm like, that's the worst idea. <laughs> he's brave to say that if you can say one thing about Mika, he's at least brave. Yeah, but I think it's bravery out of stupidity. If not reckless. I don't think yeah. it's. Yeah. I don't think. It, yeah. He's just like, I'm a man. We're going to protect <laughs> this house. You know, is that kind of bull crap, which I hate. You wouldn't look. Uh, I'd move out. It doesn't matter if you move out. I know, but I still would. <laughs> catch me if you can catch me if you can demons <laughs> not gonna not today not today but yeah and so and i do like what katie says after is like hey it wanted you to see those footprints mm-hmm. and it's so so bizarre and like when he goes up into the attic and he sees the photograph that's all burnt and she's like how is this possible this was from my house when i was 13 this is a picture of me and that's two things one it's like yes it's the same demon that's been haunting you your whole life and then also it's focusing on you because it's a picture of you that it seemed to yeah. have kept for some reason. Yeah. And again, like this movie keeps bringing up all these ideas that she is specifically haunted, but it gives you no reason. Like it doesn't explain any of that backstory, which I guess I find frustrating, but maybe the prequels do that. So the prequels probably do because they saw an opportunity to make money from it, which right. is great. And I support that. But also, I like the idea that a demon can just be a demon. Yeah. There, it doesn't have to have a reason to do what it wants to do. Yeah. Like, you're not safe in your house because you haven't, you know, touched a Ouija board or because you haven't offended some otherworldly being. You could just be in their way. Yeah. Look tasty. Right. You just, wrong place, wrong time. Wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. But so after that whole episode, Katie's it's like, the you know final what? Night. I'm calling. I'm calling the guy. I'm calling Dr. Avery's and Mika's like, no, don't. I can handle it. Like I am handling. It. And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what have you done? You've proven what that Dr. it has Frederick's feet done? and that it makes noises <laughs> <laughs> and you've made it angry. Like he's like, I'm handling it. See, I'm like working on it. I'm like, she's like, you're not doing anything to actually stop it from hurting us. It's true. And so like, she's being very emotional about this situation, but she's also like way more logical about the situation. She is. She's yes. Like, what is wrong with you? So she calls. He may seem like he's being more logical, but he's just being... He's just being an idiot. He's just being more reckless. Go ahead. Last night. Right. So Dr. Avery's not coming because he's out of the country. How convenient. Yeah. Uh, And so... They call Dr. Fredericks, who, as I've mentioned before, is so unhelpful. He's so unhelpful because this time he comes back to the house. He's like, hey, what's going on? And he walks in the house and he's like, you know what? I can't be here. 
He's like, <laughs> he's like I can't help you. <laughs> this is exactly like it's like Lorraine Warren walks in the house, demon, 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 I'm demon, out, demon. Can't do this. <laughs> and he's just like, he's like, I'm sorry, but this is not. This is not my pay grade. I don't do demons. I do like ghosts and stuff. This is malevolent. It's angry. I'm out of here. So he's gone. And that's. I can't blame him, but what a douche. That makes me. I can't say that I would stay. <laughs> but it just sucks that they have no one to call. Yeah. No one. They have no one no who one. can help them at this point. And that's so awful. I feel like at that point, I would have called a priest to bless the house or something like that. Yeah. I would have pulled out all the stops. But I mean, maybe a priest wouldn't have set foot on the property. You, you know, you know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. <laughs> but they needed to do something, and like, there's just nothing for them to do. So they somehow fall asleep again. Well, no, Mika's like, "Fuck no, we are leaving." And Katie's laying in bed, and she's being super weird and calm. Oh she's right, like, yeah, they're, they're like going state. to leave, and he's like, "Hey, we're packed. Let's go." And then Katie is not really katie she's like laying in the bed and she's like no i'm not just trust me i don't want to go yeah just trust me and she's like everything's gonna be fine now and did you hear that because i had to rewind it yeah no i heard it yeah there's two voices there i had to rewind it i got so freaked out because it's just her being really calm and she's like everything's gonna be fine now and then she smiles and then she smiles like she sleepy smiles. Oh, my gosh. But there's so there's a there's awful. like a demony voice barely under her voice. It's very subtly played. So, yeah. So at this point, Katie is like she's possessed and something's going on there. But she's like, no, we're staying. And then we have a couple more nights. Um, one of the other really, really scary nights is when they're sleeping and the bed sheet moves and you can see your feet. I was like, oh, that's, and I was like, that's not fair because now like that's how you're protected from demons as you cover your feet. And they're just like, nope. And they like pull her out and like rip her down the hallway. And it's very scary. Yeah. That was the night before they called the the doctors. Right. Yeah. But we skipped it and I wanted to mention it because it was scary. Okay. That was another scary part for me. Spooky. And then, so then here we are the last night and we do that thing again where Katie gets out of bed and you think, okay. It's not that bad. She's just sleepwalking again. Silly Katie. So she gets out of bed. She stares She stares down at Micah. This time she just walks out of the room. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do anything. Into the blackness. Into the blackness. And then all of a sudden you just hear her screaming. And it's really loud. And you're like, what the hell's going on? And, and Mika's like, shit. Jumps out of bed. Runs downstairs. Like, ha, ah, Katie, what's going on? And then just like silence. And you're like, what happened? And then you're just staring at that black hallway. Exactly. And you're just waiting for like an uncomfortable amount of time. And then suddenly Mika's body is just like violently thrown towards the camera and smacks into the tripod, knocking it over. And then Katie just sort of crawls over next to him, like smells his neck for a second. And then looks at the camera and then boom, scary face, end of movie. I like that ending. Yeah, and then there's like a little text epilogue thing saying that, you know, saying that Mika's body was found like so many days later and that Katie's whereabouts are still completely unknown. Yep, could be right behind you. Could be. So this movie had um, a few different endings. So like we mentioned earlier, Paramount, whenever they got whenever they had the, got a hold of the movie, they scrapped the original ending. So the, the actual original ending wasn't the one that you see whenever you buy this movie. Right. The original ending was only screened once, and it's a little underwhelming, although it's the director's favorite version. But basically, Katie just walks up to the bedroom, doesn't throw Mika at the camera, just walks in the bedroom with a knife, and is just rocking back and forth with a knife for two days straight. 
and then basically her friend comes to check on her finds mika and then runs out screaming and then the police come and basically she snaps out of her fugue state goes downstairs or goes to check on the police with the knife still in her hand and is like what what's going on and then the, a police officer shuts a door and it scares the other police officer and they shoot her <gasps> oh my gosh <laughs> yes and so she dies oh wow and so the film just ends with that. That's wild sauce. I think that would have been scarier. It's a powerful ending. I don't think it would have been scarier. I think it would have been less scary. Because then, the, then the demon's gone. Like, it's not it's not a problem. But I guess, yeah. But seeing that face and being like, we don't know where that face is. Yeah, that's true. That's scarier. And then there was a different ending. There was the Paramount ending that they wanted film. And so in this one, and you can watch it on the, and I think a lot of the DVDs have it. Basically, Katie comes upstairs after screaming and the Mika, the Mika thing, and she has a knife covered in blood. She closes and locks the door. She walks over to the camera, and she smiles at it, and then she slits her own throat. <gasps> so that's creepy as well. That's also very scary, yeah. Yes. And then you ha- there was another version, another, another ending that wasn't filmed, and I'll, you'll figure out why it wasn't filmed in a minute. But basically, they wanted Possessed Katie to corner Mika and beat him to death with his own camera and you'd see it from the camera's point of view oh my god <laughs> and basically everyone's like whoa okay <laughs> we can't Jesus, do dude. that <laughs> yeah They're like that's complicated and terrifying and that camera was the vast majority of our budget we can't break exactly it. <laughs> so they didn't they didn't shoot that one but the uh, the original ending and then the throat slitting ending are online and you can find those if you're so inclined i'm not I figured as much. But that's pretty much our movie. That's paranormal activity. Yeah, so we need to we need to rank this somewhere. We need to yes. decide where this goes. I don't know how Yeah, I, I don't know how you feel about it cuz I don't I still feel like this movie wasn't this is not what I expected it to be. I expected a much scarier movie and I just I thought it was really boring personally. You thought the whole thing was boring? Yeah, I thought like there were like spooky parts of it. But the majority of this movie, I was just like kind of bored. I think that's fair. I'll, I mean, that I'll allow it. I So I like this movie, I guess, more than most audience members like it. I put it – so our, our current scoreboard, which you, you audience members, you can check it out on our Tumblr at nightlighthorrormovieclub.tumblr.com. And our current ranking is Conjuring from top to bottom. Conjuring, Hereditary, Scream, Creep, Insidious, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Strangers, The Exorcist, Idle Hands, Halloween – and I personally put this right below Nightmare on Elm Street and before ahead of The Strangers. Okay. I would even put it below Strangers, but I wouldn't want it below Halloween. <laughs> I wouldn't want it below Exorcist. You don't want it at the very bottom. Yeah, I guess I, I'm willing to compromise in that way. Yeah, because I think I think it's just really boring, and I thought it was less interesting to watch than Halloween or Idle Hands, and I thought Halloween was really boring. You want to put it below Halloween? I do, but I'm fine mm. with putting it. After. I'll put it I'll put it below idle hands. Okay. I'm I'm fine with that. Okay. Okay. All right. Come at me people. So this is going to be ranked as I know come at us. This is this is our new number 10 uh second only to Halloween which takes the bottom spot. Sorry about it. Not sorry about sorry. it. Sorry. So next week we're going to be covering the <laughs> A movie that I watched when I was in high school again. It's another. It's like 2009. It's Drag Me to Hell. Oh my it gosh. is directed. It's supposed to be. It's a combination of true horror, campy, mystery, over the top. It's Sam Raimi who also did 
Soups, he did Spider-Man, first of all. And what? he also did, yes. And he also did Evil Dead, which is a very popular name, especially in campy, weird horror. So I'm very excited about this one. Hmm. Yeah, I have no impression of this. I've never heard of it. Perfect. Perfect. So if you're interested in joining our club, it's super, super easy to do that. Um, all you have to do is hit your subscribe button, and you can follow us week to week as we explore all things horror. You can also follow us on all of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'll be sharing interesting trivia and facts all week long, and sometimes we share stuff that we don't even allude to in the podcast, so they're kind of independent content. And sometimes we fight with strangers. It's true. Come at us. You could be one of those strangers. And if you like the podcast, uh, we would love it if you could give us a review, give us a share. It helps people find it, and it helps us get more active and interesting club members in the group. Yeah, and if there's ever a movie that you want us to cover or if you have thoughts, angry or otherwise, that you want to share with us, feel free <laughs> to just drop us a line. Our email is nightlighthorrormovieclub at gmail.com or feel free to direct messages on any of our um, social medias. Of course. And that's it. That concludes our weekly meeting and we will see you guys next time. See you next time. Bye.